Oh yeah, we'll be doing. Okay, good. Okay, all right. Good morning. I'm Pauline. I'm a very grateful member of the Worldwide Fellowship of Al-Anon, and I, too, am feeling very lucky and very blessed to get to do something like this early on a Saturday morning. My morning started off with a, a lovely breakfast with some really lovely people. We had some good fellowship, and I learned some things about St. Louis that I didn't know, famous for custard. This buttery coffee cake thing, I've got to try that, and toasted ravioli. I did not know all that. So uh, um, nothing like eating food and discussing food to get a day started right. So um, let's see. So we are going to tune into the traditions today is what this is about. And I will tell you that um, it says workshop. So that means I'm not going to do all the talking, that I'll do some and present some information to you. However, uh, the bulk of the work sits with you because, uh, for me, there's nothing like someone's experience, strength, and hope with the traditions to help me understand how to turn or tune into the traditions and understand them a little bit better. So on your table, you should have a piece of paper that looks something like this. And that's kind of what we're going to use today as our study guide. So I'm just going to hop in and get started so that we have plenty of time for discussion. So on the side of the paper that says tuning into the traditions, I will tell you that this particular piece is from a forum magazine. I'm not quite sure of the year. I think it was in the early 90s. And uh, and I only know that because of some of the information that's in here. I will tell you that I cut off the cartoon that was at the bottom and an article about Alateen to, so that I could make the print bigger so that this chick could read it when she was standing up here. So I'm not planning on reading through the whole thing with you. However, uh, one of the things, one of the, the experiences that I come from outside of these rooms is teaching. And so um, I know that some people, when they hear things, other than just reading it, it clicks. So there will be some reading of information today as well. On the back of the piece of paper, I printed the 12 traditions, Al-Anon's. And I think it's kind of awesome that we're here because AA's traditions are here. So if you need to compare and contrast, it's a good opportunity to do that. And then some discussion questions down at the bottom that um, you can use. And I brought a couple of other pieces of literature. Lucky for me, I just happened to win this yesterday. (laughs) I forgot to bring my copy of this that my husband's using in a step study, and so I conveniently won this yesterday. But there's great information about the 12 traditions in this book. And then in Discovering Choices, there's a whole great little chapter that kind of breaks out each of the traditions and breaks out each one and puts it into English that I can understand. So, a little bit about my experience. So when I came into the program and I heard these traditions, uh, first off, I was bothered by the language. It's not written in contemporary language. It's written in the language of the 40s and 50s, when ours were written in 51-ish, by the time they got approved and all. Um, the language put me off. I couldn't quite grasp what they were meaning. And so my little uh, self-righteous personality 
got offended and decided that I really wasn't going to pay too much attention to the traditions. Thank you very much. After all, all I really needed to do was to worry about me and get myself in shape. So I kind of blew the traditions off. And then I got into service work. And I don't know about your experience with service work, but my experience in service work is that over the years, there's a really big reliance on the traditions and the concepts, too. They're not to belittle them at all. However, the traditions were something that I connected with in those meetings. And so what I saw was people sharing things in service meetings in a very passionate way and very strong opinions and yet going up and hugging each other when the, when the meeting was over. I saw people who were trusted servants doing just their task and not taking on everything, which is what I used to do, was do it all because, after all, I knew what had to be done, and so why don't I just do it so that it's done right? So um, service work definitely gave me an inkling into how the traditions could work at the group level, and I still find that they're very important for that. At home, we have um, um, we can have at times someone who likes to share for really long amounts of time. I'm sure here in St. Louis, you never have that problem at all. <laughs> However, we have people who will share, you know, not newcomers necessarily, but just you know, go on and on and on. And um, what we've had to do is have in our group conscience meetings discussions about what's good for our common welfare. And our group conscience decision was, for our common welfare, we need to hear information, experience strength and hope from everybody, not just let it be a free-for-all. So we actually put in a time frame and we announce that your sharings are limited to, in one group, three minutes, and in another group, five minutes. And that's what we stick to. And the chairperson, at the end of your allotted time, kind of, you know, gives you the... No, she's a lot sweeter than that. In my head, I'm going like, get the hook. But, uh, but they're a lot sweeter, and they give them a signal that they need to finish up and let someone else share. And that's worked well, and that's just a little example about how the traditions can play a role, an important role in the group. So through those experiences, I began to learn what the traditions could look like with people outside of me. And then someone said, oh, these traditions can be applied to your relationship. Well, that was a completely new concept to me. Um, after all, I had an alcoholic in recovery, and I was hoping that the marriage would um, stick together. Um, spoiler alert, it did. So uh, um, we, uh, I began to apply the traditions at home, and that helped me tremendously. It helped humble me. It helped me figure out what, a better way to figure out what my role was and is in the relationship. I'm not the expert at everything. Uh, I'll tell you a story about that. I just had a little thing with that this week. But I've learned to apply the traditions in my life at work. Gosh, a lot of ways at work. And that's with people who don't get recovery. And to me, that's kind of the tricky part. It's easier for me to have conversations with the other half because he gets the lingo. 
He gets the context. He knows what's going on behind the scenes with this kind of stuff, but the regular world is not there, unfortunately. So um, I had to find ways to be true to what I believe is a way to live my life, yet balance it with the way things happen in a work environment. So with that being said, I'm going to do a little bit of reading from this particular section about tuning into the traditions to help you and I get a, a better grasp of what it is. And the way I like to think of this is this, these questions that are here simply offer me a way to interpret the wording that, that we have in our traditions. It makes it a little bit easier for me to understand, thus enables me to be able to tune into the traditions. So I'm going to leave this first column for you to read later on. That's your homework assignment. But in the middle where it says Tradition 1, and our Tradition 1, our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends upon unity. And Tradition 1 is, is what I'm doing best for the common welfare of my family, or is too much attention being directed toward one member's personal desires? Wow. So after we got in recovery, um, we rented a little house. And the landlord came to us and said, um, someone wants to buy your house for corporate housing. We're very blessed. We have a little house that has a wonderful view of downtown Cincinnati, home of the losing Cincinnati Reds, if that gives you a, a geographic landmark. And um, we were like, wow, we really like this house. It's a good size for us. Um, Bankruptcy, lots of drama that goes with having an alcoholic, at least for me, having an alcoholic in my life. And um, my fixer and saver and major responsibility type A personality got in charge and wanted to make sure that all the right things were said and all the right things were done because we needed to dot the I's ever so carefully to make sure that we got the house. And I called my first sponsor and had a discussion with her and said, you know, here's the landlord said someone wants to buy the house for corporate housing. However, he offered it to us first and we'd really like to get it, but, you know, we don't have any money. You know, we're like screwed. So um, she said, why don't you have a discussion with your husband based on the first tradition? What's good for our common welfare? thought, wow, novel idea. So we sat down and had a discussion, and um, uh, the discussion was honest and open, and I didn't take it personally. I don't know his side of the street. You'd have to ask him. However, what we agreed upon was that we would be honest in what we shared with the bank. We wouldn't go behind each other and try to maneuver things to get things done in a certain way and that we would tell the information as it is and just see where God would take us. So we sat down with the landlord and we said, bankruptcy, you know, when we clicked off all the, the things that had happened to us and we said, we really want the house. However, this is our reality. And that was a big step for me and I would think for him to come together to have a unified voice in something. That had been gone from our relationship for years because I, what I was doing in my disease 
was going behind him or in front of him and trying to maneuver things the way I thought they needed to happen. It had never dawned on me to sit down and have a discussion with him and say, here's what, where things are. What should we do as a couple? It was always, here's what things are. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And that, to me, was a totally different um, experience. Well, the gifts that I got from that was I realized that my husband had a brain. I had long ago decided that he didn't, he had, that was gone. Not that he isn't a smart man. I don't mean it in that way. However, I didn't feel that he was an active partner in the relationship. And I felt that I needed, I was the one who had the information and the wherewithal to make things move and go the way they needed to move and go because I'd been taking responsibility for everything in the house for years anyway. So it was a new experience for me to hear his experience, strength, and hope and understand that, gosh, he's got some good ideas. He's a smart guy. Those were humongous gifts to me. Actually, what it gave me in my recovery was a little bit of hope. And that was awesome for a person who felt like she had lost everything. So uh, the end of that story is, is we told the, the landlord that we didn't have, you know, gave him the whole inventory and where things were, but we wanted the house. And he said, well, let me see what I can do. And a couple of weeks later, a bank called us and said, congratulations, you're going to get to buy the house. I had never been so grateful to get a, a loan in my life as I was when we got the loan for the little house, and we're still in that same little house many years later. I didn't think that a, a higher power would provide that sort of, of, of opportunity for us. What I learned is that we did honest footwork. We were honest and open with each other, and then we let it go. Whatever a higher power would provide is what a higher power would provide. And if it was meant that we needed to move, we'd move. And if it meant we needed to stay, then we'd stay. So, tradition two. Our tradition two is, for the group, for our group purpose, there is but one authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. And the questions for tradition two. Is the voice of a loving God being expressed in the group conscience of our household, or has one member of the family become the ultimate authority? Bingo. I think by my story you can tell that's just where my head and heart was. I thought I was the uh, ultimate authority, actually. Tradition three. The relatives of alcoholics, when gathered together for mutual aid, may call themselves an Al-Anon family group provided that, as a group, they have no other affiliation. The only requirement for membership is that there be a problem of alcoholism in a relative or friend. Tradition three, am I as interested in my family's recovery as I am in my own growth and well-being? Do I let other family members know I am supportive of their efforts to recovery? Gosh, when he got into recovery, um, I was only supportive because I thought, it, for a period of time, I was only supportive because I thought that's what I needed to do, that that would look best in divorce court if I did it that way. What my experience was, as I went to the rooms of Al-Anon and began to work on me, 
My compassion for him grew. My understanding of the disease of alcoholism grew. He became a human being again. And I began to grow. My love for him changed and grew as I recognized who he was and and most importantly, allowed him to be who he was without Pauline getting in the way of his growth and recovery. Tradition four. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting another group or Al-Anon or AA as a whole. Do I understand that just as I have rights as an individual, so too do other family members. Do I subscribe to a live and let live philosophy for myself and others? Wow. Live and let live. That's been a a challenge for me to apply over the years. The the very first year we got, um, he got into recovery, and he has two weeks more time in the program than me, and he never lets me forget it. Uh, Character defect on his part, I might say. Uh, I'm teasing. But... um, Uh, That first Christmas, we have a Christmas party every year, and there's no disease of alcoholism in my side of the family. And, um, heck, I have a brother who's a liquor salesman. And um, I walk down the steps of that little house, and I see the other half pouring bourbon into a decanter. And my heart stopped. I just got to the bottom of the steps and peeked my head in the kitchen and saw that, and I thought, oh, boy. Every fiber in my being wanted to get in the middle of that, starting with, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Have you had any to drink? And begin my own list of 20 questions. And I'm so grateful to have slogans like, let go and let God and live and let live, because I made a choice. You know, I believe that life gives you an event and you get to make a choice, you know? You're either going to react to something or respond. I'm a nuclear reactor. I react very well. What I needed to do was make a choice in what I wanted to do. And what I opted to do was make a decision. And all this only took like 30 seconds. I am not in charge of whether he takes a taste of that bourbon. Pauline, yes, I recognize that he's only been sober for three months, two and a half, whatever. But it's not mine. And I turned around and I walked back up the steps, grabbed an Al-Anon book, and went to the, locked myself in the bathroom so that I wouldn't get in his stuff. Putting live and let live into practice can become a daily challenge. When he had a heart attack, I wanted to get into what he was eating, how he was exercising, you know, blah, 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 blah. And my sponsor said, it's not yours. He gets to make those choices. Are you living your own life? And I wasn't. For a couple weeks' time, I was obsessed with all things Michael. All things Michael. And I had to get off my high horse and realize that a higher power has my mic as well as my higher power has me. And that I needed to get back to the job of living my own life. Let's see. I think that was four, right? Tradition five. Each Al-Anon family group has but one purpose, to help families of alcoholics. We do this by practicing the 12 steps of AA ourselves, by encouraging and understanding our alcoholic relatives, and by welcoming and giving comfort to families of alcoholics. Tradition five, how am I helping my family fulfill its purpose and attain its goals? 
Am I attracting other members of my family to recovery by living the program to the best of my ability at home? Am I giving comfort and encouragement to family members who are already in Al-Anon, Alateen, or AA? Gosh, at home we have Tradition 5 meetings that are devoted to this particular concept pretty much every week. And working the steps for me brings a better Pauline to the table of life. Working the traditions helps bring, a, for me, helps bring a better Pauline to the relationships that are in my life. And just by being understanding and supportive, not only to the alcoholics in my life, but to my boss, to my coworkers, to anybody that I'm with, helps me meet them where they're at instead of me meeting them where I think they should be. So this particular tradition helps me keep me centered right where I'm at instead of living in the future or living in the past. Tradition six. Our family groups ought never endorse, finance, or lend our name to any outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Although a separate entity, we should always cooperate with Alcoholics Anonymous. Tradition six. Do I keep my attention focused on my spiritual being in relationship with God, or am I easily diverted by routine problems of day-to-day living? Do I have a healthy and supportive attitude towards the AA fellowship, whether or not the alcoholic has found sobriety? <laughs> I used to go to a meeting on, when I first started, I went to a meeting on Sunday night. And um, I had my one day at a time and my courage to change in my little book bag, you know. And you had to walk through the AA gauntlet to get to the Al-Anon meeting. That's, what I, that's the way I thought of it, was the AA gauntlet. Because whenever I'd go through, inevitably someone would say, oh, there goes Pauline with her little Al-Anon books. What I wanted to do, just being honest, I wanted to turn around and flip them off. That's what I really wanted to do. What I decided was that said more about them than it said about me. It said more about where they were with their recovery and that I needed to get the focus on me. And if they decided that they needed to pick on me, better me than somebody else. The old me would have been up in their face. Raised myself up to 6'1 and gotten in their face and called them everything but their name. So um, today, um, I love and enjoy the alcoholics and non-alcoholics that are in my life. My belief is that everybody brings a gift to me every day. My purpose is to make sure I see what that gift is and enjoy it and express gratitude for the gifts that I'm given. Tradition seven. Every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Have I learned to care for myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Do I turn to a higher power for support instead of expecting others to be responsible for me? Well, when I saw this one, I was really happy that the other half was going to get to do this because, frankly, my thought was I'd been supporting him physically, emotionally, and spiritually for many years. And this, to me, was my get-out-of-jail-free card. It was like, ah, 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 not mine. And like being a good early in Al-Anon person, my pendulum swung way over to the side that said, "Uh, sorry, that's not mine. Uh, You need to be self-supporting through your own contributions. Thank you very much. And the pendulum had to work back to us in the middle. 
And what helped me with that was figuring out what my motive was. Was my motive in helping the other half or even somebody else to fix or save them? Or was my motive just to be kind? Offer a helping hand, not a hand that took care of everything. And once I checked my motives, Tradition 7 got a little bit easier for me because it allowed me to live my own life and let somebody else live their own. Tradition 8. Al-Anon 12-step work should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Do I recognize that I am not a professional counselor or resident expert for every concern facing the members of my family? Do I know I can lead by power of example instead of giving unsolicited advice? So cute little story. The other half has a little fishing boat. He had it parked in front of the house. He'd been on a fishing trip, and he was taking it out to storage last week, and he was backing up the fishing boat. I have never backed up a fishing boat in my life. Know nothing about it. But I was watching him from the yard as he was backing it up. And what my head said, he needs to cut that wheel to the left. He needs to cut that wheel to the right. And I start walking toward the car because all of a sudden, I have become an expert on how to back up a boat. And I'm so grateful that before I opened my mouth, he was diverted by something else and stopped the the car and put it into park so that I didn't have to put my two cents in. I looked at it as my higher power kind of holding up the stop sign for me, like, Colleen, really, uh, he's got this, he's been doing this for years, and the expert is not you. So uh, I can still get caught by, by thinking that I'm an expert. I particularly struggled with this at work. I had a job um, that um, out of a company of 350,000 people, there were only four of us who did what I do. And let me tell you, that's an ego booster. I thought I pretty much knew, you know, if you had a question about, (laughs) I'm the girl that's got the answers, because after all, there's only four of us out of 350,000. Did you know there's only four of us out of 350,000? I think that makes me an expert. And I had to really watch myself, because that sort of thinking limited me from hearing that urban kind of knowledge, you know, the grassroots foot-on-the-floor kind of knowledge that other people had. I may be an expert on the philosophy and the context of things, but the reality of a situation, not my strong suit in, in my field of work. So it really became a place for me to be honest and open to hearing other things and willing to let other people share their own experience, strength, and hope with me. And in that, I've learned wonderful things. This morning, chocolate or a butter coffee cake, toasted ravioli, and custard. I wouldn't have known that if I had not been open to listen to the experience, strength, and hope about the beauties of food in this city. Tradition nine. Our groups as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Do I understand that the equality of family members is sustained by order, balance, and a division of responsibilities? Do I recognize that I can only change myself and that requires my full attention? That bottoms out in my world to laundry. 
either he does the laundry or I do the laundry. We do not share laundry experiences because he does it differently than I do. I don't like the way he does it. He doesn't like the way I do it. However, we agree to disagree. And so the decision that we made is whoever puts in the load, it's theirs. And that has been freeing. It gives me a lot more time when I don't have to put my nose in every little thing that he decides to do. You know, he's a camp cook, so everything is cooked on high and everything has to boil. That's just the way he is. So I know that going in, if it's gonna, if we're having vegetables for dinner, there is no crisp tender if he cooks. I'm so glad he's not here today. <laughs> no, I'll be honest, I'll tell him. There is no crisp tender. He likes soggy vegetables. And I've grown to love soggy vegetables. <laughs> Tradition 10. The Al-Anon family groups have no opinion on outside issues. Hence, our name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Do I recognize that there is a difference between an argument and a discussion? Am I willing to extend the same dignity and respect to family members as I would like to receive? This one was a huge gift to me. I took every discussion or argument, whatever it was, that we had at home very personally. When he would say something, I didn't care what it was. It became all about me. And what this gives me the opportunity to see is that, A, just because there's some passion in the sharing of something, it doesn't, it's not a statement about me. I took it all so personally. Or that his views, which can be diverse from mine, are okay. It's okay to agree to disagree. And there are countless times when we both look at each other now and we just say, well, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree about this. Now, I have to tell you, be honest, my, my um, pre-Alanon head is still in here. And what she often says, after he says we're going to agree to disagree, my, my head says, just wait, buddy. <laughs> Round two. It'll happen. So I have to pull myself off the edge because this is one that I can go, I can go back and beat a dead horse. That's my nature. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it some more, and let's continue to talk about it. Sometimes I just need to let a higher power have it and let a higher power help us figure it out instead of me getting in the light. Tradition 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and TV. We need guard with special care the anonymity of all AA members. 11. Do I believe that living the program is the best way to carry the message to my family? Are my actions speaking louder than my words? Do I respect the anonymity of relatives who are in Al-Anon, Alateen, or AA, as well as their confidences? Gosh, that's a good one to practice with my family. Um, at breakfast today, someone mentioned you know, their dining room set, and it, it made me think about a dining room set that I have. Um, I've got my grandmother's dining room set, and she got it when she married in the late 1800s. And that dining room set went to my mother. So it's a very old style kind of, you know, dining room set, big buffet and all of that. And when my mother was getting rid of furniture, um, 
she asked who wanted what, and my sister and I both wanted that dining room set. And uh, I wanted that dining room set. I wanted the dining room set. I wanted the dining room set. I wanted the dining room set. I talked to my sponsor and said, I want the dining room set. (laughs) And she said, well, it's your mother's decision. All you can do is let your higher power have it. And I'm like, but I want that dining room set. She said, you you have to let it go. In the meantime, the other sibling is um, not being honest, open, and willing with the arrangement. And um, that was a struggle for me to watch someone trying to maneuver it. Because at one level, I saw me. That is, what she did is exactly what I wanted to do. And that hurt. Hurt me. And on the level of me wanting the dining room set, the little girl in me went, well, that's not fair. And I'd call the sponsor and say, here's what she did. And she was like, let it go. I want the dining room set. (laughs) So, uh... I stayed the course. I took the high road. Oh, man, was it hard. It was, more, it was a really hard thing to do. And uh, my mother eventually called and said, you know, you got the dining room set. Now, sister didn't talk to me for a year after that because she thought that, you know, I had maneuvered things in the background. However, I knew that what I had done was let go and let God. I didn't maneuver. Whenever mother would broach me, I said, Mom, it's up to you. It's up to you, Mom. She said, well, do you want the dining room set? And I'm, I'm like wanting to get down on the ground. I really want it. And I'd be like, hey, Mom, you know, I think it's a beautiful dining room set. I'd love to have it. However, it's your decision. I respect your decision. You do what you need to do. That was huge for me, to get out of God's way and walk that path, not knowing whether I'd get it or not. So, this tradition reminds me that um, living the program is very important in all aspects of what I do. I also think uh, modeling good behavior, you know, there's nothing like walking the talk. Actions speak louder than words, all those things that your parents and my parents probably said to us growing up. Um, Sometimes it isn't the easiest to do. However, um, What I find is if I get up in the morning and do my reading, prayer, and meditation and arm myself, spiritually arm myself for the day, a better Pauline is there. On days when I don't, it's the Wicked Witch of the West. She is still in here, just waiting to come out. Tradition 12. Did I? No, I didn't do 11, I don't think. Did I? I did? Okay, 12. Thanks for keeping me honest. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles above personalities. Do I place principles above personalities by treating all members of the family equally? Do I practice the principles of honesty, tolerance, and love with family members? Does everyone have the right to voice an opinion in important family matters? Do I avoid gossip or criticism within or outside of the family? Do I realize how important the principles of the Al-Anon program are? Wow. Principles above personalities. That was a huge one at work. When I would um, want to maneuver things 
in a way that I thought it needed to go. I had to remember that even at work there is a higher, a loving higher power and that I didn't need to get in the way and that the principle of let go and let God applies even at work, which was sometimes hard for me to apply. Today I like principles above personalities when I'm in an area meeting and uh, I hear certain things. Oftentimes what I resort to is principles above personalities. I have to admit it. I'll go, oh, this is a principles above personalities moment, Pauline. You'd better just swallow that little pill because my head goes down to the path of, of being critical. You know, that's where my head will go. And principles before above, I can never remember. I always get it goofed up because AA's is different. Above um, always reminds me that everybody is a child of a loving higher power. And I'm not their mother, their boss, their caretaker. I'm just one amongst many. So now that we've gone through those traditions, it's time for you to do some work. At the bottom are some discussion questions that I thought we'd use to open up the discussion. One definition of tuning is to adjust or adapt something to a particular purpose or situation. Which tradition is easiest to adapt to your work life and how do you do that? How do you adapt the traditions for use in your home life? Which tradition is easiest to use in your home or work life? Which tradition is hardest to use in your home or work life and why? How has tuning into the traditions impacted what you do or say in meetings? How have the traditions impacted your recovery, your relationship with your higher power? What other Al-Anon tools help you apply the traditions in your life and how? And with that, I'm going to sit down and let you teach me with your experience, strength, and hope. Thanks. Thank you.